All right. Roger, Anna, come on up. We got started late, so we're going to try to be as expeditious as we can in this teaching. What's really kind of cool, and this is when I always feel more confident that the Holy Spirit's at work, is that some of the actual phrases that between Jared and Matt, who, by the way, they're, I was just going to say they're just normal guys. You're really not normal. Um, that, that, that Matt's one of our elders. Jared leads Bible Blast. Um, and one of the things we like to do is when God's speaking to the body, through the body, we want to share that. And we kind of discern that, saying, is that for everybody? And it felt like it was. But some of the phrases they actually use are actually in the, in the PowerPoint. It's hilarious. So you have a feeling that Jesus wants to talk to us today. So we've been talking about prayer, right? Talking about the lifestyle of Jesus. Been talking about prayer. We've been using this, you know, acronym P-R-A-Y. Just prayer is such a massive subject. It's just a good way to divide it up. If you want to read a great book on prayer, that, that, that's where we got this from. It's How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by Pete Gray. And so we're in the very end of this thing. We've been, we've been doing this for weeks uh, but prayer is a big subject. We're on yield. And la- last time we talked about this, we were saying that yielding to God, this, this your kingdom come, your will be, be done. Another way of talking about it is that at the end of praying, we listen. So we've said our part, and then we're listening what God is saying to us. We trust him and we obey whatever he says. Sometimes we're the answer to our own prayers, right? That God empowers us. Sometimes not. But it's critical that we listen, trust, and obey. We go for it. It's not just a thing to check off the list. This is a lifestyle we're living into. And so one of the things we talked about that in this trust thing was the prayer of relinquishment. Anybody remember that? Yeah, I, heard, I, had, I had one email that was fantastic. It was like, oh, I so needed to hear that. Can you stop this, please? <laughs> um, so it was this idea of relinquishing to God anything and everything. And sometimes we have some things that really present themselves that we need to relinquish. So, so our goal was to practice relinquishment at least once last, in the last two weeks. Has anyone relinquished something in the last two weeks to just relinquish it to the Lord? I, I think if, if you haven't, you're probably not living. You're, you're like breathing, right? Have you had to do anything like, okay, you can go first. Okay, we'll watch that show. Okay, we will watch the Olympics for the seventh hour. Right? <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to learn more about that, you can go back to that teaching. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about a, a little, uh, a really important tool we use in, in our leadership of the church, uh, a way of hearing God together. Now, and it's, it's inspired by the Acts 13 and Acts 15, where Acts 13 this is where the first missionaries were launched, where it says, you know, that, that there was a group of leaders, prophets and teachers at the church in Antioch, worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, send these guys out. So in this context, they heard something of the Spirit together and acted on it. And again, we see in Acts 15, where the apostles and elders are asking this question of, do we let Gentiles into the church without be doing the Jewish stuff? And and so they met together, considered the question. When they'd finished, James was kind of gathering up. Okay, here's what it seems like God is saying. And then they sent out these instructions. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. 
And that seems to be this normative way that we work together, that God uses our brains, He uses our relationships, but He speaks directly to us. And the number one way we know that God speaks to us is through His scriptures. It's the number one way he does that. And that's the controlling idea for everything. But we also know in scriptures, I don't know if you found it, but it doesn't tell you which job to take in the scriptures or, or, you know, which city to live in. You know, and so we really do believe and have seen that God through the Holy Spirit actually does give us nudges and instruction on how to live the ideas we see in the scriptures. And we get to do that together. So the, the reason we did this was so Roger and I have been working together for how many years? A long time. Yeah. Yeah. A long time. <laughs> Much energy ago, we started Much together. energy ago, yeah. yeah. Much energy ago. We didn't ago. have gray hair when we started. We didn't. Neither of us had gray hair when we started. So Rogers, if you're yeah. new to Believers, was lead pastor here for 19 years. I've been for two years, which has been a... He took me out uh, for dinner a couple weeks ago. He goes, now you know we're at, why we're out, right? He's like, no. He says, this is your second year doing this. He's like, oh man. I didn't even know. It's been that kind of, right? Well, for everybody, right? It's been a... COVID kind of deal. So, um, but one of the things in our history, just out of sheer desperation of leading, was having to pray. What, what did we call, call our anointing? <laughs> we called it the anointing of praying and stumbling into God's will, yeah. right? So this is how life kind of is, you know? Sometimes you, you pray and you don't know what you're doing. And you still, you know, many years later, we still don't know what we're doing. And so it's the Lord's way of in, in humbling us, right? So that we are dependent upon walking with him and learning. God, what the question we have to always ask is not what do I want to do or how do I want to run this church? But how, what are you doing, God? What are you up to in my life and in the lives of the community? Well, Anna has been part of the leadership of the collective here for eight years and then has is, uh, moved into working with the leadership team for a little while. And Anna, you, you had something that you were talking about, the riches of wisdom. That scripture you shared with me, that it's kind of reali- we're kind of realizing that the n- normal way of living is to not know where God's going. Yeah, so she was saying, like, say what you said to me. Yeah. yeah, so just, I was thinking about the scripture that is a part of this is Romans twelve two, Like, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But then I was reading, the, and so that's the very thing we're eager to do, right? Um, to what is your will, Lord? Your good, pleasing, and perfect will. We want to know it. But I realized two passages before is this doxology where it's saying the Lord's wisdom and understanding is untraceable. It's just beyond, beyond. No one's ever given the Lord counsel. He, he's never needed counsel from anyone. And just how untraceable he is, how much wisdom and understanding he has that we can't even imagine and that we're longing to know. And he's wanting to make it known to us by his spirit. Yeah, so here's what's so cool is so in, in our stumbling around over these years, we got turned on to actually a book that's called Pursuing God's Will Together by Ruth Haley Barton that, that, that really just offered just a set of steps and it's stuff you can find in Scripture. It's, it's not like necessarily revolutionary. But what was revolutionary about this for us 
was doing it together as a group. So we, we started to learn how to do this together. Well, Roger and at the time it was Susan, right? Me, you, and Susan. And then with our elders. So we have what we call a few vocational elders. In other words, we get paid to do this. But then we have a group of non-vocational elders we meet with every week to, to steer where is God taking this community. And so, so we started going through this book together um, years ago and have learned this process of, of hearing God together. We're doing it with our trustees now. And it's a, it's a fun thing to go through. Believe it or not, it takes a bit, like two years, to get a whole group of 14 people to go through that. You think, how could it take that long? Well, when God starts to speak and you speak in a group, he starts to mess with you. Does that make sense? And then so there's things you got to work through as you go. It's wonderful and hard and wonderful. <laughs> so we're talking about listening. So here's a way to hear God. So what, I'm gonna, what we're going to do is give you three steps. We're going to talk about the, the steps just a little bit of what we go through. It was presented in that book. You can read it. But this will give you kind of a quick deal. Now, here's, the, here's what's so cool about this is Jared's experience. This is a tangible way to live with Jesus day to day. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And you can say, what does that mean? Was that very practical? Think about this. Acts 3, we see Peter and John going to the temple to pray, and there's a guy who's lame, right? They... Uh, pray for him, he, God heals him, and they preach to 3,000. The important part to notice about that is that guy had been there for 40 years. That means Jesus' entire life, Jesus walked past him and never healed him. Why? Jesus only did what he heard the Father saying and doing. Because Father knew, I'm going I'm to show off in a few years. Is it possible to live like Jesus? That's what we're calling it, the lifestyle of Jesus, where we're tuned into the Father and responding to stuff. I can tell you a story with one of my neighbors yesterday. It was crazy, but it was me sullenly saying, God, all right, I'm available. As I was standing out there, and I'm going to trust to hear, and he stops his mower, mid-mow, and just walks over and wants to talk. It's never happened. So anyway, so here's a practical way to do it. We can work together on it. So the first thing is, when we're asking God a question, sometimes your answer might even be in figuring out what question you're trying to ask God. Does that make sense? It, 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 it makes sense if you try it, because you realize, I don't really know what I'm asking God. Now, the thing, Anna, one of the things you said, first of all, before you get into clarify the question, you have to be kind of at least trying to listen a bit. Tell me a little bit about that you had mentioned. Yeah, so the, Ruth Haley, you know, she says, most of us want to know God's will, but we don't know a tool or how to even begin that. Most people desire that, but they don't know where to start. And a lot of times, or what she gives us help with is there's four spiritual practices, the very things we've been practicing to do. Prayer, um, reading the scriptures, for transformation, doing Lectio Divina. You know, he, Lord, here's this scripture. What are you saying to me in this? What are you doing in me because of the scripture? Not just reading scripture for study, but for transformation. Self-examination, looking at yourself, knowing how do I really view this thing? What's really my strong opinion regarding this? What are you doing in me? Where am I needing to meet with you? Um, and silence and solitude. 
So as we've been practicing pausing before the Lord, asking him for the thing, already we've been practicing these things that really help us come into a listening place that we could really hear what the Lord wants to tell us. It's really critical that we don't also consider this as, you know, Jesus, the vending machine. You know what I'm saying? That this is a relational journey. And it's actually up to God what he tells us and doesn't tell us. It's out of the fact that he loves us. So don't want to miscommunicate that this is some kind of magic way to get the answers you need from God. But this, that we found this to be helpful together as a group. First say, what are we trying to ask God? And, and, and yeah, there's clarification that happens in that. Any comments before we move to the next one? Go. You looked really like you were going there. I was just going to say to Anna's point, this is a way of being with God, right? Ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In our daily walk with him so that we're always attuned to what, God, what are you doing in this moment? Like God with the lawnmower situation, you know, he actually checked in with the Lord, right? So we're, this learning how to practice the presence of God is actually learning how to check in. God, what are you doing? What are you saying in the moment? And, and growing in our sensitivity, so to speak, of what God's doing. You know, that's really brilliant. And, and the reason why I say that is because one of the reasons I feel uh, when I see my neighbor is not because I'm listening to Laura, it's because I feel guilty. Does that make sense? So at the moment, I was like, okay, God, my clarifying the question is, what's going on right now? Am I trying to make you like me? Or do I love this man? And my response was, in that quick moment, I was like, okay, Lord, I'll just be, if this is just me being crazy. Relinquishment. Relinquishment. Yeah. What's Look going on around here? is <laughs> just saying, okay, Lord, here's what, I, here's what I'm actually asking is not do you love me, is I'll just be available. That's cool. Well done. So the second thing we do, that, and this is the big one. So the first one is what question am I, what am I trying to ask God? This is test for indifference. What does that mean? And this is exactly what Matt said. Can I say yes before I know what God will say? In other words, am I indifferent to God's response to my question. Mm-hmm. Am I okay? Let's say it's a yes or no question. It's not always a yes or no question we're asking God. But can I come to this with the trust in God mm-hmm. that whatever he says, I will, I'll be good with? Yeah. It makes me think of Luke 5. You know, when Simon Peter, Jesus has been sitting in his boat, and he says, after he finished preaching, he said, Simon, let down your net. Go in the deep waters and let down your net. He's like... Lord, we were fishing all night and we caught nothing, but because you say so, we will. You know? He had a reason not to be indifferent to say, there's nothing out there. I'm not going to do this. But he said, but because you say it, I'll do it. And what's critical, one of the things is we, before we ask God the question, we'll just say, let's ask the Lord if we're indifferent. And here's something that's critical to note is that indifference is a gift from God. Does that make sense? In other words, to try to get your emotions in a state where you feel right about the answer is just a failure to start with, okay? You're not going to be able to do that. But what God can help us do is say, notice, I really want this to be a yes. But Lord, I'm struggling. Why am I struggling? Oh, it's because you don't trust to love you, son. Can, can you know that? And, and when we do it as a group, we actually say it to one another. Is anybody struggling with indifference? And Yep, I really want this to be a yes, and here's why. 
it's so great. I mean, it was like way back when with the leadership team when we were trying to decide whether uh, who to bring on um, after S- Susan left. Um, I stopped at the elders at one point and I said, I, I have trouble with indifference. And they, and they said, why? I said, because I don't trust you. Because whatever decision you guys make, I have to live with, not like you do. And guess what we did? We just stopped and waited on the Lord. And we waited a week just to say, isn't that loving? Till I could trust God that he loves me enough that he'll speak through them. And it was awesome when it happened, by the way. Um, But it's a gift that he gives us. It doesn't mean we're going to change our emotions necessarily, but it's the loosening of control to say, I'll do whatever you ask, Lord. And this is... This is where God does his deepest work in us, is getting us to this place, right? Because we all have things in our heart. Uh, One of the, I don't know if this is the right place. Ah, yeah, perfect. So consolation and desolation. What, What are the things about this decision, if it were to go this direction, bring me consolation or desolation? Uh, The thing, consolation is what, what actually helps me feel like this is God's way or, or the peace of God or just um, uh, the flow of God. And then desolation is what is it about this decision that just is, is burdening my soul, so to speak, so that I can't, I don't know if I can get to indifference until we address these yeah. issues of consolation and desolation in our own heart. This is what Jesus had to do in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Where he was wrestling with God. God, I don't want to do this, right? There's something that brings a lot of desolation about thinking you're going to be crucified on a cross, (laughs) right? So the Lord is actually... Uh, uses this because we can't really know God or God's will unless we know ourselves, unless we know our heart, what's going on inside of us. And so uh, the test for indifference isn't just, you know, God, not my will, your will, but this is the deep work where we, we begin to allow the Lord to uncover motives and intentions and fears and anxieties and all the, you know, yeah, things. Just, just, just our, you know, even like some of you guys in the room, you, you assume like I do, God's always going to make you do the worst thing. Anybody in the room like that? Like whatever's the worst thing is probably what he's saying. Um, and there's other us are majorly pain avoidant. You know what I mean? It's like, please, 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 please. I still remember my 21-year-old. He didn't say this as 21-year-old, but he was like three years old. He's a great salesman. He said, he was asking me for cookies or something. And he said, Dad, can I have a cookie? Don't say no, don't say no, don't say no. He just said multiply. Don't say no, don't say no with his hands and his, his fingers and his ears. Like, that's a really good sales technique. That'll, that'll work in the future. And I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm uh, have you ever been like that with asking God a question don't say no don't say no please 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 that's where God wants to meet us he's not this c- c- commander who just wants to issue commands or a vending machine that if we just say it right we'll get the answer we're hoping for he's our father who he's I've found more interested in why I'm distrusting than even the answer I need does that make sense? Because have you found that the answer becomes less important the more my trust goes up? That I don't know how I'm going to make it through this, but I, I know I can trust him. 
Okay, so, so clarify the question, test for indifference, and then here's the thing, is to actually ask, and listen, sometimes we've actually forgotten to do this, just to simply ask, uh, and I think there's a, an act of real humility that happens in, in just saying, okay, we don't know what to do, God, give us an answer. Have you ever asked God a question and then been in a group of people and been like, oh crud, he better answer, this is going to be a super embarrassing moment. Awkward. Yeah, and so, but sometimes what we'll do is then we'll just sit for a little while in silence and see what popped in our hearts, and then we'll just talk about it. What happened to you when this happened? Oh, this other idea came up. Um, Or, man, I still can't get past this indifference thing. I'm just, or I don't know what. We see that in Acts 15 where, where these guys are like arguing about whether the Gentiles should be allowed to be Christians without being circumcised and all that stuff. And it said they were kind of in heated debate and that Peter had stand up. And this is like the third time he's told them, guys, I was there and the Holy Spirit fell on these guys. And then they were able to hear the Spirit. So, so one of the things is just kind of a rinse, rinse and repeat process when this, this goes that, that okay, this is kind of what we heard. This is what I'm hearing together. Uh, maybe we need to go back to this a little bit couple of things we're asking for too. We're not just asking for an answer, but we're asking God to give us two things, quiet trust, right? Yeah. And that we can trust him in a quiet way, not, not, no, 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 no. But, um, and also we're asking for wisdom because, uh, in a group decision, sometimes as we're processing what we're hearing, the Lord will begin to make his way known to us. And we're like, oh yeah, that seems good to us and the Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that, you know, because this is not just a, you know, as he said, a vending machine universe that we live in, but it is this relational journey that we're on because the goal of hearing God is is not just to get an A or get it right. It's to actually uh, love God more and love others more is what, what, the way Ruth says it, you know, that every decision I'm making should lead me in the path of righteousness and relation, right relationship with God, a greater relationship, experiencing his love, his mercy, his kindness, so that then I can live that out with others. So, so, so the big question trust and wisdom. Sorry, but that yep. is, is, does it work? And we're actually hopefully going to have some more um, testimonies about this next week because a number of us, some of us, I, I even know people who've done, they've incorporated this into their marriage. Um, and making decisions. Hey, and by the way, please drop all perfectionism because it ain't going to work. Right. Right. So I was thinking when we're doing this sermon, maybe I can get my wife to do this with me about something. And it was this whole thing like, oh, I, I already got the answer. Why are you still quiet? Oh, this is taking so long. You know, I mean, that, that's normal. Okay. That's normal and good. Um, but the question doesn't work. So give, it, give us a couple of examples you guys have experienced, Anna. Do you want to hear a super trivial example? But this is our everyday. Is Dane and I were faced with a deci- really dumb decision we had to make. Didn't cost any extra money. Whether uh, we would move our floor. In, in 15 minutes, we had to decide whether we would move our dining room floor lower six inches or keep it the same. And whatever was going to happen would be like a demolished job, but it was no cost to us. But in 15 minutes, we had to decide whether we'd move it. And so neither of us wanted to. We didn't know we'd be faced with that decision. We didn't want to do it. I mean, this is so trivial. It's not even funny. So we, 
I, we didn't want to change. We didn't know we'd had to. So we began to say to each other why we were not indifferent and why we just wanted to keep it the same. Then I began to text everyone I know, do you think we should move it up or down? Do you, what? And it just became so annoying. But then we asked the Lord, Lord, would you make us indifferent? What do you want to do here? I mean, it's about six inches, no cost. It's so dumb. Lord, what do you want to do? We asked him. We both got passages that made it seem like we should move it down, which was the very thing we didn't want to do because we didn't know we were going to have to make this. And so then I began to continue to text people, do you think we should move it up or down? You know? uh, and then finally, time was up. We had to make the call. We felt like the Lord had said, enlarge it, take it down. So we said, we're in unity with you, Lord. We don't want to do it that way because it seems like extra time. What are we doing? Okay, but because you say so, we'll do this. And we both knew that was the case. And we love it. We love what we did. And we never would have decided it. We never would have. And it was over something so trivial. But he directed us. Amen. Yeah. I, I want to just, before I share this little quick story, this works if you're committed to your own personal transformation. As, as Anna said, you know, Romans 12, 2 is the, the, the marker, right? Be transformed that you may know the good, perfect, acceptable will. So our commitment to God is, Lord, do whatever it takes in me so that I can be in the place to, to know what your will is. So I was talking with Tim Way and, and uh, one of our missionaries, Tim and Joe are getting ready. I don't know if Tim's here today. He was here last week. And um, so they were getting ready to go back on the mission field. They were trying to decide between Burma and Uganda. Lord, help us know where to go, okay? So uh, they practiced this simple process and, and it's, it's not super, always linear, but you're kind of going through this over and over until you can kind of get to some confidence. And so they landed on Uganda, which is where they had been on the mission field before. But as Tim Tim was telling me the story now, they were discerning this question five, six, seven, eight months ago before Burma had gone through their coup and their revolution, right? Had Had they not heard the Lord, they would have been planning to or had they chosen Burma, they wouldn't even be able to go and they'd, they'd have to start all over again. So you see, the Lord kind of knew, right? I mean, it's like, whoa, that's awesome that we discerned to go to Uganda and that door to Burma is completely closed now and it wouldn't have been even available to us. So I love that you guys picked these two examples because one is like a daily life thing that seems inconsequential at some level. Another one's like, whoa. And, and some of you may be going, oh my gosh, are they saying I've got to ask God for every decision? Like, do I start my car or do I, you know, do I turn left or turn right? Um, and hey, try it. See if he talks to you. Why not? He, he might challenge you. Um, but if you have OCD, that'll make you crazy. You're like, uh, I didn't hear God. I never made it home. I don't know where I am. You know, <laughs> no, it's, but it's, it's, this is just a technique for developing friendship with God and starting to know what his voice sounds like. Cause at the strength, I think there's a lot of things. God's like, I don't care what you do. I'm just interested to see what you do. Why don't you just act like Jesus when you do it? 
but some things he's like, oh, don't do that. And t- for us to develop a familiar- familiarity with the accent of God, so that there are times when he, I, there's been times it's easier for me to quickly obey when I don't understand because I know how good he is. And I've seen the results of this stuff. So we're going to talk more about that. So to summarize, today we're talking about the yield, which is to listen, trust, and obey. That's just the life. That's the life that Jesus lived. So hear what the Father's saying. Trust and do it. We could have just said listen and obey, by the way. Trust is really important because it's the relational component. That's why we do it. That's why we do it is because I can trust God. Does he, do I owe him my obedience? Absolutely. But that's, that's not the relationship he necessarily wants. He's a God who comes to his people humbly and says, you want to be friends? What is that? That's humbling. So a way, to, a way to hear God together is just simply these three things. To clarify the question we're trying to ask God. You can do it by yourself, but it's, it's really powerful to do it with someone else or a group. Test for indifference. Am I okay to say yes before I know what it is? And the last one is ask and listen. So we're going to set a goal for next week. So this is your goal. You didn't know you are going to have homework, but you do. Think of a question you want to ask God. Just think of one. Because we're actually going to hopefully spend time next Sunday being in the presence of Jesus together. And we're going to walk you through this process. It's really important. New knowledge is useless if you don't practice it. Right? <laughs> that was so interesting. There was preach from Jared, which is rare, and then snapping of fingers. That was fantastic. Thank you. It was very beadnik kind of thing. Jesus said, it's the, it's the person who does my words is that has a solid foundation. Rather, So it's not like, no, why would you know things and not implement them? That's like crazy talk. That's just being silly. So I bet there's something you'd like to ask God. Some, some of you may be in some really difficult decision moments. Some of you might not. Either way, let's think of something we can ask God. Next week, what we hope to do is have some testimonies of cool stuff that God has done in this process and then practice it together. Sound good? All right. This, this resource is going to be on our website. It's a PDF that gives you the process. We, it's got a little bit more explanation. Uh, for these three movements here. So that is there to help you. That's what, the one that comes with the book, if you want to get the book. Sound good? All right, let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, um, one thing is just if you're in a moment of decision about whether you want to trust God or not, uh, and you need some help with that. And that might be <clears throat> you haven't been following God. You haven't been checking in with him at all. Hey, it's okay. Every single person in this room has at one point not been trusting God or following God. Every single person in this room. So, so you're not alone. But we'd like to pray with you about doing that. About putting your faith in Jesus and letting him run the show. He does a great job does a great job. So we'll be up here, and if anybody wants to talk to me or Matt or these guys up here, we'll do that. Anna, will you pray for us as a benediction?
Lord, your ways are unsearchable. You have never been given counsel because you have never needed it. You are awesome, God. Everything you are is wisdom and understanding. Thank you that you have made yourself known. You have been us, and we worship you. We are looking to follow you, Jesus. We want to do what we saw you doing. You went about your life looking to what the Father was saying and then doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the very thing we're eager to do. Would you help us as we begin to submit our lives all the more to you? We want to know what you are saying to us, Father, and would you give us the faith and courage to obey you? You are amazing. You are wonderful. Your ways are perfect. We have to know them. Would you bless us? Would you clarify for us? Would you change our hearts? You're able to make them soft. And would you give us courage to carry them out as you instruct us? You are with us even in the most trivial, dumbest questions. You want to be there with us. So would you bless us as we are sent out back into the world? Would you encourage our hearts? Thank you that you're with us and you won't forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. Two, two family matters I forgot about, and I, I need to communicate. One, um, one of our friends with 24-7, Lisa Coons, who you know, is moving to Tulsa today. Roger is helping her unload the truck, and Roger, though he is strapping young man, <laughs> could use a little help. So if anybody could move things and help them move, can you talk to Roger? At two, it's going to be at 2 o'clock today, so talk, and Roger will give you details. Another one, this is a real uh, uh, tough family matter. So Cindy, who's been our leadership team, just stepped down, felt like she needed to uh, focus more on her family. That was a decision she felt like from the Lord about a year ago. It's just, we've just moved into it. On Friday, her father passed away unexpectedly. And so he wasn't in great health, but none of them were expecting this. And so... They had such a sweet relationship. He called her every day and always called, called her babe. Hey, babe. So Cindy's up in Idaho with her mom, having to walk through all the complexity, you know, of, of, of getting her mom situated and, of course, the grief. And Cindy, I'll just say, is kind of the pillar person. So it's also tough to grieve when you're that person. So can, can we just pray for her real quick before the day's out? And maybe you can carry in her heart. Raj, would you pray for Cindy real quick, please? Lord, bless the free family. Bless Cindy, Lord, in the time of her grief. May she meet you and, and may she discover, Lord, your great comfort and your love and mercy and kindness. And we, we pray for her mom right now. Just come alongside and be so near to her. We love them and bless them and we thank you, Father, and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, have a great week. We love you.